Welcome back to the Adventist City Ministries podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Jeff. Now, Jeff, we've been going through the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But now we're going to talk about something we really don't get into too much. It's the ascension of Jesus. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited about it to uh, consider it and the benefits. Uh, we're not going to be able to get all of the benefits, get to see all of them together today, but uh, we'll cover the essential ones. So the essentials about how the ascension of Jesus is actually uh, involved in our Christian life, how, what it can mean to us. Part of the good news right. you know, of what God has done and Jesus continues to do on our behalf. All right. So how long was Jesus on the earth before he went to heaven after his resurrection? Well, in the book of Acts in chapter one and verse three, it says he was around for about 40 days. Uh, speaking to his disciples and others, we found out that there were quite a few that were spoken to uh, in between there. And so it says, uh, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. I like that word. Uh, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So they had this last precious period of time with Jesus, you know, that he spoke with them and shared uh, precious things with them. I can imagine their reaction. Wow, here is somebody who's been raised from the dead and he gets to be with us and we get to ask him all kinds of questions. And he's our, well, I mean, he'd been their friend for how many years and now this has happened. And, you know, he's trying to prepare them for the, the tough things ahead. Yeah, I, can you imagine being there? I mean, it, uh, talking about aha moments as, now Jesus is spending time and saying, remember when I said this? Right. And they were having all these big moments in the word, I'm sure, and um, coming to understanding that they didn't have maybe previous to this. And it was probably the greatest camp meeting of all time for these guys. Mm. <laughs> you know, just revelation after revelation they were experiencing. All right. So where are we going to go to first in our scriptural journey? Yeah, today I just want to give a couple of scriptures that um, kind of reinforce what we've talked about uh, concerning the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection. And then we'll jump right into scriptures that tell us about the ascension. Uh, I, I would begin with Jesus' interaction with a man who came to see him in the night. You remember that story? Yeah, it's in John 3 about Nicodemus yeah. and how he said that you must be born again. Yeah, and Nicodemus acted like he didn't understand, but this was probably something that was well understood by uh, people who lived in Israel at the time, in that it's not, he, he acted like, well, what do you mean? How, how does a man go back into his mother's womb? Uh, he was uh, dabbling with Jesus in the beginning of their conversation, but he understood that, you know, we really, in this world, have to start over again. Yeah, it's not... I'm making a better version of ourself, but it's, it's making something new. Jesus is, is giving us a new life, a new experience. And it's in him. We've talked about that over and over and over again in this series, yes. that this whole thing is based on the idea that we abide in Christ and he abides in us. It's the in Christ motif. It's mm -hmm. all of these things happen as if they're our own, this, as if this, this is our own birth that is happening and indeed, spiritually it is. And Peter says the same, same thing. He says that being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible 
by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That's in chapter 1, verse 23. And so Peter affirms, yeah, this is something that happens. We are, the first thing that happens to us is, you know, and often it's by the power of the word, we find ourselves in the Holy Spirit impressing it on our hearts that we find ourselves born again and born anew. So we're really living a crucified life. You know, Paul talks about how I am crucified with Christ. And he says, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who is living in me. And he goes on about, it's now the life that I live. And uh, it's the son of God who loved me, who gave us his life for us. Yeah, that really encapsulates two of these things in, in that now we live the life of Jesus. And that comes to us through the sanctification process is that the Holy Spirit comes and he changes us from within, but also the imputed life of Jesus or the life that he lived is input into us. It's given to us. And so in Christ, again, we receive the life that he lived, which was perfect. It was without blemish. And so that becomes my history in Jesus. And his crucifixion also becomes my crucifixion as I was crucified in him on the cross where Jesus died. I died with him. Mm -hmm. And so we see the pattern that all of this occurs because we're in Christ and we're receiving the history, the history that he actually went through is attributed to us in the scriptures. And that continues. It says uh, uh, in Ephesians, it talks about how we're made alive and, and we would associate that with the, um, the resurrection. Sometimes the Bible uses the the word quicken to talk about being made alive again. Right. But he says, and go ahead and you read it in chapter two, verses four and five. Yeah, it says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. So again, there's a prepositional phrase that we were made alive together with Christ. That means that we were resurrected or given new life in him. And uh, so the whole process happens in Christ. The whole history of him is now in us. And now we get to where it's really interesting. And I I love uh, the concept that we're going to get into today because it helps me in this world literally on a daily basis because uh, I get to kind of be here but not really uh, feel like this is my home anymore. Right. We're passing through, we are on this journey and we don't have to have the mindset that we're stuck here. And because so many people out there are facing loneliness, that is huge. And that's why we gravitate to all kinds of other things to like escape from that. And, but with knowing where we are with God and that he has made us right, uh, that gives us hope for a future. And, you know, it's our great hope that we get to We'll, we'll, we'll get to see that one day fulfilled in all its uh, fullness, you know, that we get to, to be with Christ, not just spiritually, but then also physically and everything made new and aching bodies made new and hearts and minds. And it'll be wonderful. It's also the idea too, is, is I, I met with a friend not too long ago and was going through some struggles that, that we encounter in the world. The world wants to pour as much on you as it possibly can. And it wants to bring us down to its standard and, and, and take away our joy in Christ and all those things. It's all the work of the devil through the world. And I took them through this uh, little Bible study of how we have the privilege of saying 
I, I don't belong in the world, so it really has no power over me. And as we went through the scriptures and tried to understand that, uh, uh, you know, intellectually, and then and to and then to take it in, it, it was quite a relief. And I'm hoping that that's true for some of our listeners today. That as you hear these scriptures, that you can say, um, "There's an old song: This world is not my home." Like you said, I'm just a passing through. So the first scripture we find that I find fascinating is found in Ephesians chapter two, verse six. Yeah, and that says, and he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So it kind of includes the raising up together, which was the resurrection. And then it goes right into made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, so again, the prepositional phrase in Christ Jesus is there. And we're sitting, according to the word, we're sitting together in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. So Jesus ascended to heaven. And he ascended and he sits at the throne of God and we are sitting together there with him in him. Right. And that's, and the, the tense of that statement is not something future. Like you have to wait until resurrection in the future, but that's something that's has is currently transpiring. It's, it's happening right now. That's right. Yeah. Right now that is our condition in Christ is that he hath made us sit together in heavenly places. We believe in Jesus Christ. We take hold of the truth of the gospel. This is part of the package is that we have the privilege of sitting with him in heavenly places. What does that mean? Um, it means that uh, uh, the way that John puts it in 15, uh, chapter 15 or the way that Jesus speaks to it, he says, if ye were of the world, the world would love its own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. In other words, we can expect problems from the world, but we're not of the world anymore. We actually are dwelling in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. This, is, this will get more clear as we go on here. But we no longer, and this sometimes, Andrew, this is why I don't understand how we have problems within the church, within the body of Christ, from nationality to nationality to right. all these Issues because so much divisiveness, lots of division and divisiveness. Mm-hmm. When we come across texts like this that help us to know that we don't have belongingness to those things anymore, now we belong to something else, right? And some people would look at these kind of verses and say, Oh, well, I don't belong here, so I'm just gonna kind of ignore everything going on and just look to the future, right? But if we know our condition in Christ and what He has bestowed upon us and the power that He's given us. It's actually our duty to show kindness and to show an attention to what other people are facing because they're, they were in the same, they are in the same situation that we were once in and to, to be mindful of that because it, our, our job as, as followers of Christ, as those who are in Christ is to, to lift others up and help them to come to that realization. Yeah. It's clear that there's purpose behind God's plan. You know, that he's done all these things in his son, through his son, Jesus Christ, and has positioned us so that we can do the very work in the world that needs to be done as Jesus did. Okay, what the gospel does is it helps us to understand our position in Christ so that we can work beyond the things that bind us up in the world. Right, they give us trouble and would bring us down because it's every day. We, we have to have God's mercies new every day because we face new struggles every day. We we are tempted to go back to the same thought patterns that, that held us down. But 
there's hope every day because in Christ, we don't have to succumb to those things. We don't have to give in to those, those thought patterns. Yeah. Some people think that as we talk this way, that we're doing some sort of ethereal escapism, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that we're just trying to avoid uh, what the place that we exist in. But this is our reality in Christ is, is that he's given us the opportunity as we're in the world to not be of the world, but to be otherworldly, so to speak. Right. Um, where Jesus said, you are not of this world, that you are sitting in heavenly places with me. And so uh, I want to take us to, to understand this better. I want us to take us to uh, the actual scene of the ascension, because there's also something other, there's another thing that's very interesting as Jesus is taken up, and it's the last promise that's given to the disciples before he leaves. And if you'd read that from Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And that says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Sorry. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall witness unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So as Jesus is about to ascend, he makes this promise to his disciples, and he says, you shall receive power. Well, why, why do we need power, Lord? Well, because we're called now, now that we've uh, become part of something different than the world, we're called apart and set aside to do a specific work we're going to talk about in a minute. But so I want to talk about the benefits of the ascension. So the first benefit that we've seen is, is that positionally, we find ourselves in Christ in heaven. That's our, our new place. Right, in heavenly places. In heavenly places. And secondly, that as we believe this, that the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us to give us power to do whatever it is that God asks us to do from this point forward in our lives. Right, so this is how the Bible says you receive the Holy Spirit. Yes. It's not through some practice or ritual of trying hard enough making sure your mind is clear enough to receive them though that can be helpful. And that often comes later because I mean, within the, our own history of Advent, the Adventist movement, the health message came because the preachers were having health problems. They were already preaching the gospel, but we were having health problems and we needed to be able to, to have endurance and keep going. And so the health message was given to help with that, but that's not what gave them the power. It was, it was the gospel. As we, as we think about the disciples after this last meeting with Jesus, they were called to meet together and pray mm-hmm. and study and remember the things that Jesus has said. And after a period of time, the Holy Spirit fell upon them in great measure. And so I think that we could better relate to this in terms of we should pray for the Holy Spirit every day. We should pray that it drenches us with its power. Right. And uh, God has decided that that's what, you know, this is the method that he's going to do to complete the work is for the spirit. And Jesus, Jesus, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Jesus even says that it's important that I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit to you so the work can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Romans chapter five uh, speaks to us about after justification or after we believe at the point of belief, belief, I believe it's chapter five or six. It says that the Holy Spirit is the, is pours out the love of God in our hearts. That's how the work goes forward. 
It says, as we believe, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and the love of God is poured out on us in our hearts. And you'll notice that uh, even in the beginning of this, we talked about how God loved us so much uh, that he gave his only son. And that's the basis, love, the love principle is the basis for all of what we're talking about, that God loves us in every aspect of our salvation. And it doesn't leave us orphans. He doesn't let us figure it out after he's, the sin has dropped us you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, dropped from us or that we've, uh, come to confession and repentance. It's, uh, he empowers us. So two benefits so far, we're, we, we're, uh, in heavenly places, dwelling in heavenly places with Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy spirit comes to us to accomplish the work. So why is this so important? Why is it so important that the Holy spirit comes is the question we need to ask. And John uh, actually, chapters 14 through chapter 16 is a period of time that Jesus spent just before the crucifixion with his disciples. And he got this long sermon that refers to the Holy Spirit at least four or five times at length because he wants them to know that he's not going to leave them alone, even though they have no real concept of what's going on still, even though he's told them several times. But let's just do that. We'll start with John 16 because it's... Uh, the longest passage. Right. So John 16, starting in verse seven, it says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Let's just stop there for a moment because Jesus uses the word expedient. And I don't know, what's a synonym for that? How else could we say that? I think it's important, you know, that I go, I go away. Uh, Jesus is basically saying, okay, guys, I know you don't want me to go, but it's really, really important that I go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's important for you that I go. Hard to imagine because they're all sitting yeah. there thinking, well, we don't want you to go. Right. You know, this and, is going to be for your benefit if I go away. Actually, Right. And he calls him the comforter. I, I like that because he understands that they're going to experience discomfort, right? They're going to be uncomfortable in the world that he leaves them in. And so he's sending somebody to give them comfort and power. Right. I mean, you would, I would be uncomfortable if I knew that my real home was not yet there yet. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's like living in a, in a foreign land. So I would want something that reminded me of home to be with me, you know, yeah, like getting a care package. <laughs> it's, it's our uh, human nature. We, we settle, we try to prosper, we try to make homes here, but we, in our Christianity, we often forget this is just a temporary residence. But the majority of our time that we spend on a weekly basis is establishing our home here on earth. Imagine that. So this is a, a paradigm shift in thinking, right? These poor fishermen who spent their lives out on the open sea you know, hard work on a daily basis now are being told, well, this is, you know, this is really not your work anymore. There's something new. Yeah. So Jesus is trying to get them acclimated to what life is going to be like in the rest of heaven when eternity resumes. And for all of us who go through this experience, he's wanting us to to know, okay, well, I know you're going to worry, but don't worry uh, because I'll take care of you. I'm sending the Holy Spirit and he will comfort you. Yeah. Andrew, for you and I, we have to, this is something we should do on a daily basis. We should be praying for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in our lives so we can, we can receive the comfort that 
you know, because the world still comes at us pretty hard. At least it does for me. I'm not sure. Yeah, I feel that the same way. I, seeing the the folks around me that, you know, the Lord is leading me to. And, you know, the we are very blessed in this country. And just realizing even our our poorest people are much more well off than the, the poor of the rest of the world. So we, we do have this obligation to, to God to say, Hey, you've gifted me with this amazing gift of life. How, you know, what else can I do, but not, you know, how can I not share this, this gift with the people closest to me, the, the, the people that we come in contact with. And that's, and that's part of the hope because we are sharing that hope and helping people to find purpose and meaning in their lives. Yeah, so God decides, Jesus says, that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to comfort. It's important that uh, that uh, that this happens. It's important that I leave so that this can happen. And ultimately, we'll find out that he says, I have to go to the Father. And the Father sends the Holy Spirit to us. So there's a, all of heaven is engaging in this activity. But let's continue to read in chapter 16 because it's important for us to get the wholeness of what's being said. Right, so picking, picking back up in uh, verse 8, it says, uh, Jesus goes on to say, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believed not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. This is an interesting um, set here, because those are big things. Uh, he will reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. Means, in other words, he's going to reveal those things to the world. Uh, he's going to reveal sin. He's going to reveal righteousness, and he's going to reveal judgment to them. But if you look at pre- the previous text, there's something that kind of is inferred as we read through it. It says, "Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you." But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so there, this emphasis on this is all happening to you and through you. Okay. Now, if we carry that over into the next text, which you can do, it, it, there's, there's, it's implied. We can say it like this. And when he has come to you, mm-hmm. he will pre- reprove the world of sin through you, through you. and of righteousness through, through you, you and of judgment through, through you. you. So in other words, okay. this is this is God's plan. Now, if I'm part of the plan is for me to teach the world to reprove or to reveal sin, righteousness and judgment, I don't have that ability naturally within me. Some mm-hmm. people I didn't take that course in college. No. <laughs> and I have been a I've been a reading the word and been a Christian a long time in my life and you know, I would struggle to say that I I would be the righteous person to do this. Thank, this is the reason that the Holy Spirit comes to us with power is because he does it through us. Right. And that's exciting to me because, uh, again, it's God doing all the work. It's me saying, okay, whatever you want, I'll do. We're working as these vessels, these channels for God to work with, not as some kind of puppet machinations, but in total cooperation because we've seen the love of God and we want that experience that we've had with God that we've realized, Hey, this is life. This is the only way we can continue living and have meaning and purpose in our lives through Jesus. And we want that for other people. So to spread that to the rest of the world. 
it's especially important because it's been good to us. Yeah. We've, we've seen the power of it in our own lives. And so uh, it's a, it's exciting to have the opportunity to be filled with the Holy spirit in such a way that we can have an, that Holy spirit can have an impact on other people's lives because it's abiding in us. This was the experience of Daniel. You know, as we look back at him, we see all the aspects of the Holy spirit in Daniel as the first six chapters of Daniel. And so God's solution to the sin problem and the righteousness and judgment issues that are before us is people filled with his spirit as a revelation of him. This is cool stuff. Uh, and then John goes on in chapter 16. I'll read these next three verses. He says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Amen to that. Mm. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. Wow. Think about these things that it says. There's just two really big things in that text alone. He will guide you into all truth. Uh, as long as I'm in Christ and the Holy Spirit is in me, as I'm reading the word, I'm going to be guided into all truth. Yeah, that reminds me of John when he later says, you don't need anybody to teach you. Right. The Spirit has taught you. These are not things that can be taught by man, but what God and the spirit has led you to. Yeah. I, I, that's good to know because, uh, you know, you could spend your life reading book after book about after book for, of what somebody else thinks the truth is, or you can go to the word of God, right. pray for the whole outpouring of the Holy spirit upon you and you can come to an understanding. Yeah. Otherwise the truth would only be available to certain persons with access to materials and such, but, the spirit of God can be anywhere because it's not limited like, you know, like bodily Jesus would be. But, you know, the reason that we need the spirit in its form and the uh, what Jesus bodily couldn't provide, the spirit can, and that it can be with all of us and, and share that knowledge and that power with us. Yeah, and in addition to that, that's it's almost like a shocker that the Holy Spirit, when he comes to you, it says he will show you things to come. Wow, that's astonishing, right? Well, I that, mean, that sounds like prophecy to me. It, it does, but it, it's also, okay, understanding truth, but understanding prophecy and the truth of prophecy. Right. We don't have to worry about all these, uh, you know, sometimes there's some crazy understandings oh, and yeah. interpretations of prophecy, but what we can know is uh, we can know the truth and the Holy Spirit will reveal to us the things that are to come. Yeah. It's very exciting. Uh, and it's important that we understand that this is these are the gifts and then it says in verse 14, he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and will show it to you. So in other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself. Jesus says this later. He speaks of me. He comes and tells you of me and I, what, everything that I'm about is about the Father. And so we're getting a full revelation of who God is as the Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, Not some shorthand notice about, well, we were the last people to know about it, but God is fully bringing us into the knowledge of his plans and folding us into to his, um, you know, counsel with him. We, we get as part of, of Jesus Christ, as we live in him, then we are privileged to the knowledge of what God is up to. Right. So th these are the things that Jesus is telling, remember his disciples just before he goes to the cross, but it adds to what he says to them in those 40 days. Cause in those 40 days after the cross, he says, you remember when I said this? Remember they said mm -hmm. this about the Holy Spirit? Well, he's coming up to you in, as soon as I leave. 
And so this is exciting stuff for the disciples. John 14 says that uh, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I like that. I like to know that, you know, that, that he dwells with me and that he's going to be inside of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, that's a comfort because now I'm not, you know, I kind of, I feel like I'm in a bubble with him around me and I'm, I, and, and there's power inside because he's in me. It also frees us from the fear that we often sometimes associate with God kind of looking over our shoulder, like yeah. if, as if he's being invasive and looking to our lives, but rather this puts it in the light that no, God is actually there beside us, helping us to carry our burdens, to uh, be a light to the world and to sustain us and, and to nourish us spiritually and, and to continue on in this world. So it's, it's not scary. It's not God being invasive in any sense, but being right there with us and walking alongside of us. Yeah. And if, if you've ever done door to door work, um, it can be a little bit nerve wracking. It's sometimes. a little nerve wracking, yeah. <laughs> but you have to set your mind on a passage like this, mm-hmm. that the Holy spirit is around me. Okay, so the, the most powerful being in the universe is around me as I go and do, I'm going about this work. And not only that, he's in me. And Jesus mm-hmm. said, so when it does, he sent his disciples out, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to say. You know, don't worry about what you need to take because the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. And those things will come from him. The words come, the, the, the scriptures come, things that don't readily come to mind. And I, in my life, I've had that experience that occurs, but it comes on the heels of, as you are about to go out on the, and do the work of God, you make the invitation for the Holy Spirit to be with you and upon you. And you believe what Jesus has done on your behalf and you move into faith and say, this is going to be a wonderful experience in Christ. Okay. So now I want to get to the purpose for the power. Why, why do we need why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? Why do we need all these things? Why do we need to know continually about Jesus? And uh, why do we need the Holy Spirit to teach us and to uh, change us and to um, teach us, give us the words to say? Well, we find that in Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse eighteen. And if you'd read those verses for us, it'll Second Corinthians five eighteen uh, starts off and says. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So, in Christ, and because of Christ, uh, we have been saved, we've been reconciled, and now God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And what what, what does that mean to you, Andrew? Well, first of all, we have a relationship with our God and Creator and and Redeemer once again. You know, there's, there's nothing that separates us from him. There's nothing that separates us from knowing his love and his character and his purpose for the world. So that in turn can then be internalized in us. And because of it, we no longer have to be separated or disconnected from our family, from our loved ones around us, from our friends, uh, the, pe- the people that we don't know, the strangers in the world. Uh, you know, God really has united all of humanity through what Jesus has done. Yeah, the next verse says that too. It says, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And so, okay, so I want to deal with something real quick here, and that is, is that sounds very universal, doesn't it? And yeah. from, from some perspective, it is, right? Well, we, we, it can be explained and still allow people to have their, their free choice and, and their own decisions to make about this matter. 
Right. And in, in, in other words, what you're saying is there's truth in what the word is saying that God reconciled. And from his perspective, from the work that he did, he did everything that he could do to reconcile the world through Christ. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, because part of why God had to separate himself from us is because, you know, he can't be in the presence of sin. Right. And he knew that if we would come in contact with him, that, you know, there's, there's that, uh, illustration that sin is like gasoline. And, and when we get it on ourselves, as, as we would come into the presence of God, we would be ignited by that and it wouldn't be a good thing. Right. <laughs> and we would, we would perish because uh, a holy God can't exist uh, within the same proximity to sin. And, uh, you know, we'd be, we would be essentially destroyed because of that. So God has done everything to break down that wall right. of separation. And it says that he reconciled the world unto himself, how is it then that we're called to the ministry of reconciliation if God has already reconciled the world? So we've got to kind of yeah. parse that out a little bit if we can. Well, well, what's the, what's the goal of the gospel then is to reach those people that don't know. Right. And when you know the truth of the gospel and how we've been reconciled through Jesus Christ, we can take that and impart that to others so they may know too. Yeah, so I want to kind of use some words here, and that is, is that God objectively goes about his business mm-hmm. of reconciling the world. He has a part that he does, and in Jesus Christ, it's all finished. Right, so right. That's, that's called the objective gospel. Yes, and then, but because we have free will, we, we still have this subjective experience, sort of, that, you know, this is what I'm experiencing, that I can say, yeah, okay, I'll take it. Or you can say, no, I'm going to go my merry way. I'm going to enjoy, eat, drink, and marry, and because tomorrow I die. And so we can have a, we can either choose a subjective experience of saying yes to the gospel, or we can just go on our own. And God honors our will, our free will, as to not force us to comply with his plan. Right. The reason that we're still here in this point in Earth's history is because everybody has free will. And there are obviously people who have not made that choice. If God would have saved the whole world universally, you know, made a unilateral decision and not, and would have not considered our own free choice, then he would have just done it. You know, Jesus died on the cross. That's the end of the show, taking everybody to heaven uh, that he wanted to. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't have to be here, but because God honors free choice because of his loving nature, then we still have the opportunity then because of his desire to allow us to choose, uh, we're still here to, to be a part of that decision. So this ministry that Paul is talking about here are, is to those who have not yet recognized, you know, that what God has done and the, and, and how incredible it is that he's restored us to life, eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going about is we're trying to go about and say, Hey, there's some incredibly good news that I have for you. And that is despite everything that you're going through in the world and everything the world has poured upon you, that God had a plan and he went, he, he sent his son, Jesus Christ to die for your sins. And because of that, you've been reconciled to him. And if you choose to believe that he has an eternal life ahead of you that he would desire to give to you. That's our ministry. Right. So we can do that with power. It's good news because we don't have any part of it. It's already been accomplished and we simply accept that by faith. And now we get to another point that adds to our discussion for the today today in verse 20 of that same chapter. You want to read that? Yeah. Second Corinthians five twenty. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ 
as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So this is fascinating because uh, it uses the word ambassadors, and it would be good for us to know what the definition of an ambassador is. So that is somebody who is an accredited diplomat you know, sent by a country uh, as its official representative uh, to a foreign country. So in what, how, how do we relate to this now? God's calling, our, the scripture's calling us ambassadors as we've taken hold of what Christ has given to us. In the light of what we said today, um, how are we... Uh, how do we become accredited diplomats? Well, we become part of Christ's kingdom. We believe in what he has done. We follow those previous steps. We believe that we're filled with the Holy Spirit through the ascension of Jesus and you know his promise to us that he would fill us. And, and then from what country do we now and belong? Now we represent heaven, the kingdom of heaven as our own to the, the world around us. I'd like to reemphasize that because... Uh, we're so sectarian these days, uh, in, in even more uh, acutely than that. Uh, mm-hmm. From I'm, I'm talking about country to country, uh, but I'm talking about re- ethnicity to ethnicity and all these things. And what what the gospel does as it relates to this concept is it makes all that disappear. It mm-hmm. says, "Listen, you don't, you know, there is no male nor female, there is no Jew nor Greek." Right, it kind of disseminates all. It gets rid of all of that stuff, and it says, "Listen, you all are part of the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. and you you are ambassadors from that heavenly kingdom. In fact, you're sitting on the throne with in Jesus Christ. That's where you belong. You're now part of that kingdom, and so you can worry all you want about this world and where you exist, but the reality is now you're part of a different right. paradigm." And you can use your nationality, your earthly position to say to others, look, this is what God has done in my life. And, and now I see everyone in the world as my brother and sister. This is what God has done for me and he can do it for you. So those natural boundaries that we sometimes so vehemently subscribe to, they start to melt away and we start to see ourselves on equal footing and equal value and worth with other human beings on this here planet. Yeah. And that's the whole point, isn't it? This is that we need to see each other as God sees us. And, uh, and this certainly helps us to do that in that. Uh, so it, it's so cool that we find ourselves being ambassadors from the kingdom of heaven. And so we don't have to let the, you know, all the stuff, politics and, and world policy and all that kind of stuff that so, so easily gets to us all the time really has nothing to us to do with us because as ambassadors, we represent the ideals and, and the uh, principles that the kingdom of heaven brings to the table. That's our representation. And that's what an ambassador does. And I think sometimes that's, that's what our world needs. Somebody from and with an outside point of view to come along and say, okay, here's how things really are because this is how God sees them. And so I think we can actually end up bettering our world because of that too. And not just saying, Oh, forget you guys, you know, right. <laughs> but yeah, actually, like I said to before, be this isn't escapism. This is just a reality check for us to under, help us to understand well, what are we, what are we doing here as Christians? Are we just coming to take a, a base of knowledge so that we know more than the next guy or, or is this really life changing and helping us to understand that we belong to something bigger and different and, and otherworldly, so to speak. Uh, so, that's not all. I just wanted to add this, and that is, is that even more now that uh, um, Romans chapter 8 tells us that the Spirit itself testifies to us or, or beareth witness to our spirit 
that we are the children of God. It says that through the process, through all of this process that we've talked about with regards to the gospel, we become God's children. We are his adopted children. And there's just there's all kinds of neat things that come with that, one of them being that we are joint heirs with Christ, uh, according to Romans 8.17. Um, and that we have the privilege of not only suffering with him, but rejoicing and being glorified together with him as well. What a, a crazy turn of events for, for, for us in this world that we find ourselves so deeply enrooted in sin, entrenched in it, and, and enemies of God. The Bible describes it that way when we're in our sin. And then God comes along with a plan. And while we were still in that situation, his plan was put into place, and it was completed in his son, Jesus Christ. And we go from being enemies to be reconciled to him. And eternal life is ours once again as we believe in Jesus Christ and what he's done. What, a, what an amazing story. It's a blessing to see somebody take a hold of this so firmly that their life is completely changed. And you and I have seen it uh, many times here in Allentown with working in the community, working with the people, um, that it's, it's, it's changed their lives. Really, it has. It's, it's been uh, something that's a new experience for them. I can remember sharing this with uh, a friend at, at the mission, and um, she began to get very excited as she heard it. And uh, she's probably a, a woman in her mid-50s, and I was there with another uh, Bible worker, and we were, were sharing together the good news of the gospel, and she got teary-eyed and excited, and she stood up on her feet, and across the table, she gave us a high 10, because she had gotten <laughs> it, she had heard it. Uh, people, Amen. when they hear it, they're like, this is life-changing and exciting. And I just want you to know that that this is, and I want you, Andrew, to remember this too, and I, I need to try to remember it too, that with this comes all kinds of really God just pours out his spirit on us and all kinds of wonderful things begin to happen. And we're still in the world, so the world still fights against this. In fact, the Satan doesn't want any expression of an understanding or people moving into the truth of this because it's the biggest threat that the world, uh, that the, the world of sin could face is a picture of Jesus and the people of God. But God wants us to understand this as well. And, and, and we can say this blessing for ourselves. Ephesians chapter one, verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Bless, bless God because he blesses us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We are given everything we need in Christ in heavenly places to do this work of reconciliation, to move forward, uh, whatever it is that you find God has asked you to do, he equips us for that purpose as we move forward. Amen. So this is sort of the, the end of this series of uh, studies that we've done. We're going to spend some time answering questions next time that we've received. There'll be a shorter session. And then uh, we look forward to sharing some other ideas with you in the future. Thanks for listening. Visit AdventistCityMinistries.com for more resources, including a study guide, reference compilation, and free downloads of our book, The Ephesus Model. You can also listen to other presentations and episodes of this podcast. See the show notes for links and more information, including our Facebook and Twitter accounts.